the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Please take your seats. Um, We're going to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 3, so if you have a Bible on you, or a phone, or you want to grab a Bible from the box at the back, feel free. Uh, We're going to be reading verses 13 to 16, I think. That we, yeah, good. I'll see, I can read. Here we go. Um, so 1 Peter chapter 3, 13 to 16, and then I'll pray for Andrew before he comes and shares. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Let me pray for Andrew before he comes and shares with us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Andrew. We thank you for, um, for what he has prepared for us this evening. Lord, we just pray that you speak through him, um, that your spirit moves uh, us through his words. We thank you for the gifts that you have given him. And we thank you that he is willing to serve and bless this church with them. Uh, be with us now as we listen. Uh, amen. Good morning. Uh, afternoon. Oh, good. We'll start again. That bit didn't happen, everyone. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you. If I have to be awake, so do you. Right. Um, I'm Andrew. Um, as as uh, we're gathered here to continue in our series entitled Confidence, um, which is based on resources from um, the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Um, but before we get on to that, I want to tell you something about me that you, you may well not know about me, something a bit unexpected. But when I was a teenager, for several years, I was a member of my local Young Farmers Club, um, which, if you you don't know, the Young Farmers are a national network of rural youth clubs, um, socials, trips, competitions, think scouts with tractors, essentially. Um, But I I must say, I, I have no farming experience or background whatsoever, but all are welcome. Um, And somehow, perhaps even more remarkably, I was elected two years running as chairman of this Young Farmers Club. So I uh, had to lead by example. So at the inter-club competition at the country show, I entered into as many competitions as possible. um, Just because participating in a competition meant you got points, um, even if you didn't do very well. Good news for me. Um, So one thing led to another, and I ended up in a pen not dissimilar uh, to that one, uh, in a white coat, and I was getting hands-on, shall we say, with some sheep. Um, I was to demonstrate my stock-judging skills, um, which is uh, about looking at the sheep and examining the sheep, and then explaining to the examiner which sheep is best, which sheep is worst, all going back to if you went to market, you'd need to know what a good sheep looks like. So after I aimlessly poked and prodded and grabbed um, each sheep, uh, I then went to the examiner and mumbled something vaguely farmery. I had no understanding and I was very underpracticed and I gave an utterly unconvincing performance. However, um, as you can see there, you're in little groups 
um, of uh, people in the competition. And one of my fellow competitors was this little girl, genuinely half my age. However, she was clearly uh, steeped in a, a, a farming tradition, and uh, that clearly showed, needless to say, I didn't win this particular competition. So, turning away from Andrew the Bad Shepherd to Jesus the Good Shepherd, see what I did there. Um, our passage that we've uh, looked at, uh, have had read to us, is written by one of Jesus' uh, disciples, Peter. He's writing to believers in what we now know as Turkey. Um, and uh, this place was uh, really hostile to Christians, um, particularly for their Christian faith. I wonder if that might resonate with you. So as uh, Gemma's read um, a few verses, uh, I slightly elongated the passage, but I'm going to just read verses 15 and 16 again, because these are going to be our main focus. Um, So verses 15 and 16. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Are you prepared to give a reason for the hope you have? Or do you feel a bit more like Andrew the Bad Shepherd? Now as we look at these verses... I hope we will identify um, some ways which we can grow in confidence um, in how we understand our faith so that we can be sharing our faith, but also demonstrating our faith with our whole lives. So let's begin with um, understanding our faith. Now I've got uh, a confession for you. I am a recovering reluctant evangelist. Uh, I'm still in recovery. Um, But when I first became a Christian um, at youth camps and youth groups that I I went to and I was a part of, when they talked about how we should be sharing our faith, frankly, I was just terrified at the prospect. Um, Not only was I a little bit shy, um, the whole thing was just intimidating. It even has its own special, like, impenetrable language of evangelism and missionaries and gospel and testimony and witnessing. Um, Utterly overwhelming. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. But how can we share what we do not know and understand ourselves? And perhaps more accurately, how can we share who we do not know? And I think that's why Uh, Peter starts um, this kind of instruction with, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. I think perhaps we jump straight to the how we share our faith rather than uh, starting with the why. Sharing our faith is, or at least needs to be, all about Jesus. And Peter tells us to revere Jesus in our hearts as Lord But what does it mean to revere Christ? Well, revere means to respect, to recognize, to admire, even worship. It's about having Jesus as the most important thing, even in our most innermost being. So you revere Christ when you pray, when you worship, 
When you spend time with him in the Bible, learning about him, you're revering Christ. When you spend time praising him, when you spend time with your brothers and sisters, you're revering him. And when you suffer and sacrifice for him, you are revering him. But we're to revere Christ, particularly, Peter says, as our Lord. So how has Jesus become our Lord? Well, let's jump back um, a little bit uh, to chapter 1 of 1 Peter. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, Peter is giving a shortest, a really short summary of God's big story, the story of God creating us, us rebelling, and of God promising a solution, a saviour. Jesus coming, living, dying, rising, ascending, and one day returning. Now, we're going to watch um, a short video, which I think really beautifully summarises that whole sweep of God's big story. Right at the start, the original orator set out solar systems with stanzas, and from the dust he formed us as the ultimate reflection of his perfection. Until the cataclysmic mistake, with the snake spoiling the truth and speaking the fake news, knowledge misused and trust abused, sin goes viral. Yet a seed sown, pointing to a promise of a rescuer homegrown, they wait. Time passes, Abe gets the call up, then Isaac to Jacob, God wrestler. The providence of God sees Joe go from prisoner to prime minister. 400 years pass, then a 10 plague standoff, Israel's shackles come free. Moses leads the way as God's centre parts the sea to Sinai. A ten-part moral compass, twelve I spies, forty years in the wilderness, they wait. Moses to Joshua, the baton gets passed, promised land with milk and honey on tap. Judges lead, then it all falls apart. People want a king, on paper Saul's mustard, but he wrecks the gig. Psalm singer David gets crowned and convicted. Temple gets built, but Solomon's conflicted. Kingdom divides, God's people get evicted. Daniel naps in the lion's den. Seventy years pass, God brings them back then. Temple ruins get erected. A wall gets built, Jerusalem's protected. And they wait. Four hundred years pass. Enter magnificent maker of everything. Wrapped in linen cloths as beauty spots. Rifts off Isaiah, broke bread with outcasts. Healed abseiling paralytics who picked up their own mats. Passover palm leaves, then Passover to Gethsemane. To handcuffs, to trial, as Peter denies. On my mother's life, I've not even met the guy. Then crucified. Love laid out his arms with one final cry. It is finished. But on the third day, hope reinstated with victory on display as the Messiah stone rolled away. And before Jesus ascended, he says, wait. 
The spirits open in ceremony display. Tongues of fire, the works of a people full of praise. Stephen martyred, church close to despair, till Paul U-turns preaching the gospel everywhere. Church as community, radical diversity, and this is our part in the unfolding story. Now spirit sealed and for God's glory we participate, yet we still wait. And off the Isle of Patmos, Apostle John got a snapshot of how it all ends and it's gonna be worth the wait. Sin's death grip will cease. No more tears with fears forgotten and baggage sent packing as the community of grace-gifted misfits welcome in the homecoming. From despair, there'll be perfect repair and hope will be there as the highlight for all time. Ease the promise became pillar to the plotline. The living vine, original orator, solar system setter outer, the dust former and people potter. Word became flesh, put to death yet raised, so one day we may raise in him. So we raise our lives as an offering of praise for the one who's worth the wait. hope that um, was helpful in just kind of um, unpacking um, kind of or giving an oversight of the whole story from start to finish as we see in the Bible. Um, It's a story of God, Father, Son and Spirit uh, out of an abundance of love creating people in his image in perfect and close relationship with him. But in short-sighted rebellion and selfish pride, humanity made a choice. We did it our own way. A choice which uh, not only sees death and darkness enter, but distance between God and his people who have become slaves to sin. I don't know if you were here this morning or have um, already caught up on what um, Megan shared, um, but she gave this um, great analogy of um, of kind of that distance and um, and, and fear of of kind of sin. She gave the story of when she was a little girl and she made a big mess in her room with some paint, knowing that she shouldn't have been using paint in there in the first place, how she ran and hid and locked herself in the cupboard, thinking that's the safest place to be, um, not realising that it was um, a place of entrapment, of darkness, and it wasn't freedom at all. Um, and, and then ultimately... Um, when her mother pursued her and found her and embraced her, Megan knew that all was well. And so too in the story of God's people, that the faithful God pursued us by entering into this broken world. He entered in the person of Jesus. Jesus, the spotless lamb, was then crucified in our place on the cross, but was raised on the third day. And that those who believe in him no longer are under sin, but are under the lordship Um, the authority of Jesus and now enjoy a restored relationship with God. Now, this isn't just the story of humanity or the origin story of the church. It's been my lived reality. I think of how empty and broken and alone I was before Jesus was Lord in my life. I think of God's love for me even as I rebelled against him how he loved me as I was, but loved me so much that he wouldn't leave me as I was, and he's completing his work in me each day since. 
Now that's my story, and I know it is a story that many of you can relate to. So the more we reflect on that truth, on that good, good news, the more we revere Christ in our hearts as Lord, the more we reflect on quite how much we need a saviour, quite how much he has indeed saved us. We should, out of urgent and loving concern for those around us, want everyone else to enjoy that restored relationship with God. To borrow Meg's analogy again, if we were to see someone locking themselves in a the cupboard, wouldn't we want them to come out? Wouldn't we want to help them open that door into true freedom? In fact, the way that Peter wrote this letter, wrote these sentences, there is a causal connection between revering Jesus as our Lord and us being ready to share him with others. The more we know that we need a saviour, the more we should want to share him with others. Now, sharing your faith is simply explaining God, God's story of salvation has included you and how it could include them. It's sharing it with anyone who will take an interest. And you've got the starter pack already. You've got you, and if you know the Lord Jesus, you've got him too. You don't need much more than that, really. But um, I know that it's not that easy in reality. Who can tell me what the motto of the Scouts is? Anyone? Be prepared, exactly. And so too does Peter tell us to be prepared. We are to be ready to give the reason for the hope that we have in Jesus. Now this session in our series is called competence. It's not my favourite word, but um, competence is uh, practice and preparation combined. I was not a competent sheep judge because I was not well practised and I was very underprepared. Now God can always use us and equip us for the work he's got in store for us, um, even when we don't think we're ready. But he also doesn't do shortcuts. We have to be prepared and to practice using what he's provided us already. Now, I've broken this down into preparing our hearts, preparing our heads, and preparing for opportunities. Now, um, for here on in, I'm going to be sharing a lot of things with you, um, resources and um, tips and things, and I'm sure you've come across your own. Um, I've got a handout that I'll be giving out afterwards, so if there's something that you would want to go in deeper, you'll, you'll have that handout so you can reference that and kind of, in your own time, be preparing and um, practising um, with some of these resources. Um, otherwise, we'll be here forever if I really unpacked each one, which I don't think we want. We might do, but we haven't got time. So, um, first of all, let's look at our hearts, our attitude. First of all, are we revering Christ as Lord? And even if we do have hearts that want to share our faith in Jesus, perhaps we've got scared hearts. Perhaps you worry about this. Maybe you, like me as a teenager, and even me now to an extent, pretty scared that someone might actually ask a question and then you might actually have to do something about it. Do you worry what people might think of you? Or do you worry you might mess it all up? Well, 
One of the reasons I wanted Gemma to read some of the verses earlier is because of verse um, 14 from chapter 3, which includes the words uh, uh, from Peter, but he's quoting Isaiah. Um, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats and do not be frightened. Another passage which I come to again and again, um, particularly when I'm feeling scared about um, opportunities that God is giving me or might give me, is from Jeremiah chapter 1, which says, But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. We do not need to be afraid because the Lord will be with us himself. He will protect us and he will provide us the words. So do take courage, not in yourself, but take courage in the Lord. So while the Lord does um, provide the words by his own spirit, um, we can also help ourselves by preparing our heads, by um, improving our understanding of the fundamentals of God's story of salvation, um, be it watching videos like the one we've just watched, um, but ultimately the best thing you can do is read, read your Bible um, by yourself or with others. Um, if you struggle with that or you don't know where to begin with that, do come and talk to someone who looks like they might, uh, might have a clue. Um, I have some idea. Talk to me if, you, if you're struggling. Um, but there's also other resources and opportunities within um, our church um, or available, easily available that you might want to, to look at, including Alpha or the Bible course or um, God's Big Picture or the Bible Project. Um, Perhaps you know that you've got friends, colleagues or family who have particular hang-ups or particular issues they're interested in or they're particularly um, what's kind of being a barrier to them. Maybe read up on those things from a Christian perspective just so you've got um, some things to offer if those conversations come up. Or it might be that you kind of understand God's story. You might not know your own. You might need to get your head around your own testimony of what God has done in your own life let's face it it's not something that we think about often is it um our our own lives in in the past um we might find it uh, hard to to succinctly say the the important bits of our story um I know if I if I'm not careful I end up just rambling and going all over the place and remembering some things and jump back to that bit and it's a bit of a muddle So I think it's useful ahead of time, when you've got a moment, to just get your memories in order. And maybe this structure might help you a bit. Think about before. What was your life like before you became a Christian? Not just kind of the obvious context of where you were living and how old you were, but what was your life like? Think about during. How how did you come to understand and and meet and accept Jesus? What was that like? And then after, what difference does Jesus make in your life now? Now, it might also be worth trying to distill the most important bits of this into an elevator pitch. Um, the idea being, if you can't convey your, your idea in marketing to someone on the trip in an elevator, you're going to lose their attention. Um, perhaps the same is with our testimony at times. Like, I find, like, if... Um, 
I'm in the staff room at work and someone's making a coffee or a tea and we're just chatting about whatever. I've really got, from the time they started pouring in their water for their drink to brew and then to go on to them back to work, that's the, that's the kind of window that I might have. Can I use that time really well to convey whatever it is I want to say? So hopefully that might be helpful. And this is really a bit that is really good to practice, maybe by yourself or with a friend, or maybe um, you want to carve out a home group evening if you're in a home group to just share and practice your testimonies because it, it is really worth doing. Now, um, we also ought to be preparing for the actual opportunities that, that we hope will come along. I think my main um, bit of advice here is be yourself. Um, I think we can often have in our minds some, a friend or someone we know within the church um, who's just really good at sharing their faith and we think we have to be like them. Um, I might suggest that the reason they might be really good at sharing their faith is because they are being themselves. And if you try to, uh, to, to wear their clothes, so to speak, they might not fit you. So God has made you who you are for a reason. He's placed you where you are for a reason and you have your part to play. Now think about it. Each one of us um, have had, we have different personalities, um, we have different backgrounds, different spiritualities, and so too do our not yet Christian friends, family and neighbours. Now across the body of the church, we all have uh, different uh, gifts. We work together and complement each other. It might be that you're comfortable sharing your faith in one way more than another way. Now, the mission organisation Fusion talk about four types of people. They talk about the convince me people, where they want to understand the gospel, that it makes sense. So those kind of people, they're the people they want to be explaining how the gospel might work, and that they're the kind of people they might need to be unpicking some of their intellectual objections to. Then there's the, the show-me people, They want to see that the gospel works. They want to see that your life has been changed. They want to see social action. They want to be like joining with you in the things that um, our faith compels us to do. They want to see that it works. Then there's the talk with me people, and they want to know that the gospel is personal. Those are the people that, rather than sitting down for a study, they might be a person to grab a drink with and just talk about life, sharing your story, and then weaving that into the story of scripture. Then there's the let me experience people. They want to know that the gospel is life-changing. Those are the people that may well respond well to coming to church or coming to um, a Christian gathering and experiencing um, what it's like to be around God in God's presence. Now, maybe God has made you really good at explaining complicated things or maybe really good at demonstrating things or sharing life or maybe just talking through the gospel for people like this. And actually, becoming a committed uh, and and uh, yeah, committed Christian, someone who is following Jesus um, day by day for the rest of their lives, it's a journey. Now, you may or may not have come across um, the Engel scale or the Engel steps to Jesus. Um, I'm not always a fan of these kind of models that we can put on the work of God, but this I think can be helpful. Um, starting at one end of the spectrum, when someone has no awareness of God at one end to somewhere in the middle, a decision to surrender to Jesus, and then at the other end, onwards growth. Um, 
our strengths might be, might lend ourselves to helping people at different bits along that journey. Now, I've got a friend who is fantastic at um, hospitality, sharing her life, her home with the waves and strays, bringing them in and mingling them with Christian, their Christian friends. I've got other people who are just so good at walking people through that interest to understanding to acceptance of Jesus. And I also know people who are great at mentoring new Christians into mature faith. Now, research suggests that most people's journey of faith will involve more than just one person. So actually, it says um, it takes a, a village to raise a child. I think it takes a church to kind of raise a new Christian. We've all got a part to play. So while it's good to play to our strengths, uh, Peter does say to always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks. So while you might have your strengths in some of these things I'm talking about, um, you still might need to uh, think about how you could adapt to um, support someone or help someone who's perhaps a different kind of personality type to you. But we are to have confidence in Jesus. Remember, it is him that puts the words in our mouths. It is him that will protect us. So it is him that we should be praying to for these opportunities and praying to whilst we're in the midst of them and once they've happened. And now our final section that we'll be coming on to in just a moment is how it's about our whole lives. How our whole lives um, will not only bring about opportunities, but they can help or hinder our message. Now, can anyone tell me who this person is? No? Okay, one more clue. Um, His His Excellency, Vadim Pristako. I can't speak very well, let alone um, a name like that. Anyone, does that name ring any bells? No? Okay, this is his office. Any guesses who this person might be? Right, what, I've got... Ooh, Gemma's close. There we go, there we go. Gemma thinks he's an ambassador, um, and you'd be right. Um, This is him, um, Vadim, on his first official day in the job, and he is um, the ambassador of Ukraine to the United Kingdom. Now, what is the role, the job of an ambassador? Well, it's to represent their home nation um, to the authorities and people of the host nation. They promote their country, they're answerable for their country, And they have to adapt to their host culture, like learning the language and customs without compromising their own. Similarly, we are not citizens of this place, but of God's kingdom. We are his ambassadors. As Paul writes to the Corinthians, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. It's our job to represent the kingdom, give answers about the kingdom, and we adapt to our host culture learn its languages and norms, but we don't compromise our identity. The way we live our lives, our values, our behaviour, our choices, should be distinctly Christian compared to the world. Paul says in verse 15 that people will be asking us questions. People will be intrigued by our faith when they see it shaping our whole lives. Now, for people to ask us questions, we need people to know two things. 
We need them to know that we're a Christian and we need them to know that we're happy to talk about it. So just take a moment now. The people that you are going to see in the week ahead or in an average week, friends, family, colleagues, um, neighbours, do they know you're a Christian? Do they actually know that? Now, we've all got different ways of letting people know that we're a Christian, particularly when we enter kind of a new context. I've got a colleague at work who keeps a Bible on his desk. I've got another colleague who wears a cross. And I've got friends who have Bible verses or Bible scenes kind of displayed in their homes. I, the way I often do it is um, most people um, will ask, how was your weekend? And it's just supernatural to say, well, I went to church. Um, and, and conversations can kind of start from there. So, yeah, think about how if the people in, that you're going to see this week don't know you're a Christian or you're not sure if they know you're a Christian, how might you be able to just let them know um, let them know that. We also need people to know that they can ask us questions, that they've got permission. Now, I think our culture um, in, many, in many circumstances, in many ways, is becoming quite averse to asking people questions about their identity. Uh, we don't want to offend people. We don't want to go too deep just for fear of offending someone. So... Uh, I've, I've had, um, when I have had colleagues try and talk to me about that, my faith, they can be very sheepish and very kind of skirting around the issue, very tentative about it. Um, so how can we kind of bring up the issue um, of our faith without um, forcing it? As Peter says, we need to do this with gentleness and respect, how we can bring up more faithy, maybe less superficial topics. Um, so you might feel it's appropriate to say to a friend that, oh, thanks for sharing that thing in your life. Maybe I could pray about that. Or maybe you've got a colleague that, um, if you said, oh yeah, I go to church, to say, oh, if you ever want to talk about this stuff, you know where I am. And actually, if you become known as a trustworthy, kind, compassionate person, people will naturally open up to you. Now, it can be a bit of a minefield, um, what we can and can't do, or what's appropriate to share, particularly in the workplace. And I want to recommend to you um, the Evangelical Alliance's Speak Up resource, uh, which is a really, really helpful thing in just kind of navigating uh, some of the do's and don'ts about the secular workplace and how we could be Christians in it. So I really recommend that one. Um, the way I like to think about it is in our lives, just leaving lots and lots of breadcrumbs, um, which all leads to conversations about Jesus. We don't know what someone might pick up on, what bit of our lives that's just normal for us, but actually it's quite distinct um, for other people. I remember when I was a student, and I was just finishing being a student, and I was going to start um, just living in Exeter, obviously needed to move out of my student house. It really blew, my mind, blew the minds of my housemates that I had people at church who were going to help me move my stuff. That just blew their minds, um, and I didn't think anything of it. So the more we share, perhaps even just those little things about our faith, about our church life, might get people interested. But obviously, the most, thing, the most important thing, the most powerful thing we can do is to pray. And I think it's the, perhaps one of the hardest um, prayers to pray um, is that God will give us opportunities. Because then we will kind of have to take them if we've asked for them. You might remember on that um, scale of um, not knowing anything about Jesus to onward growth, 
becoming a Christian was somewhere in the middle. Like actually accepting Jesus was somewhere in the middle. Um, the kind of idea being that you're only a mature Christian, you're only kind of going to be solid in your faith if you're going to start sharing that faith with other people. A bit like that connection between how we revere Christ as a Lord in our hearts to them being ready to be sharing answers. So pray. I, I always, whenever I pray that prayer of, oh, give me an opportunity, Lord, I then also pray, and please give me the courage to take it, because I know that by myself, it's not going to go well. Anyway, um, Peter tells us to do uh, this, to do sharing of our faith with gentleness and respect. Don't go in all guns blazing. Don't go in spoiling for a debate. Uh, in fact, if the other person is getting um, a bit aggy or a bit defensive, it's probably not a good idea to pursue uh, that conversation at that time. So that, in verse 16, that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. I remember, um, it, again, when I was a student, um, my, my experiences living with non-Christians was um, overwhelmingly uh, positive experience. But there was one occasion when one of my housemates was, um, took a joke too far in relation um, to my faith in a very extreme way without realising the impact it would have on me. So I just kind of left the room, and um, that, was, that was that. And it was interesting, actually, that my other housemate, who was also not a Christian, was the one that called him out on it. That our good behaviour in Christ is what's going to make people ashamed of their slander. And actually, my other housemate, um, compelled by, uh, by that, did come and apologise, and it was all good. But I, I found it really interesting that actually even a non-Christian could see how... Um, People speaking maliciously against us um, is not, it's not good. So if we stoop to their level, play by their rules, we become no better than them and we distract, even undermine the good news that we're trying to share. The more we live, uh, the more the lives we lead are shaped by the truth of Jesus, the more we will proclaim the good news without even saying words. But we need to be saying words, but our words need to be backed up with action. If we talk about a generous God, but we're stingy. If we talk about a forgiving God, but we are harsh and judgmental of others, or we're burdened by guilt. If we talk about a holy God, but we make blatantly unrighteous choices. If we say one thing, but live another, our hypocrisy will undermine the faith we long to share. It's not about being perfect all the time. Uh, or thinking that one mistake might bring down the kingdom of God or derail God's plan. It's not about that, but it is about being authentic, being humble and being honest. In fact, when we mess up, if we do just kind of own that and admit that and don't try and cover it up, don't try and wriggle out of it, I think that will say more um, about us um, to those who, who watch and if we did the opposite. It makes us open. It makes us more human, makes us more relatable. Because as we've talked about, being a Christian isn't about being perfect. That's not how we've come to be a Christian. In fact, the opposite. Recognising that we're not perfect, that we're not free when we're locked in that cupboard, that is what makes us a Christian. And if people can see that, then they might see that they want to become a Christian too. 
yeah, the more relatable our faith is, the more real, the more grounded in the grittiness of our own lives. It will show them the difference that Jesus makes, that we're not clueless, that we're not naive, that we are in the rough and tumble of the world. Um, we're not um, burying our heads in the sands, but we do have a saviour in amongst those storms. We will show them what life in fullness looks like. So we've only just introduced some ways that we can grow in confidence when it comes to sharing our faith. So I've provided some ideas, suggested some resources, and I'll give out that handout in a minute. But it is down to each of us to practice and to prepare um, every now and again, just so that we are able, when, when those times come, that we are able to share our faith with those who ask. Now, let me emphasize, it's about making ourselves available to God. It's his work. He gives us what we need. And it's only the work of the Holy Spirit that brings people in repentance to Jesus. Don't carry that burden. We are never the saviour. So uh, perhaps um, in these, these closing moments that we just have a, a bit of quiet, um, perhaps think about the circumstances, the environments you're going to be in, who will you be interacting with um, in the days ahead. And if you have that courage, perhaps pray um, in your heart that prayer to God for an opportunity and for courage to take any opportunities that come. And in a moment, I will uh, share one final bit of scripture. Paul says in Philippians uh, chapter 1, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen.